Hi, this is David Barak. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Payday Podcast. SLAs are really, really important and they will always be underpinning the service that we're delivering and they don't really give the buyer of our service the full insight into to whether or not they're getting value for the, for the money they're paying for that service. But what I think uh, buyers can do is, is really position themselves, especially with many of them being second and third generation now, um, to work with their vendors and negotiate more impactful metrics that will be more specific to them. If you look at these new metrics we're introducing, they basically apply to every payroll, every payroll process. They are universally applicable, but they're not universally available. For this episode, I'm joined by a panel of experts to talk about the way the global payroll process is measured today and how the way we measure payroll can be improved with new KPIs. We're dividing this panel conversation into two parts. In part one, we talk about the way the payroll process and payroll vendors are measured today. And in part two, we cover five new metrics to help companies overcome the shortcomings of today's KPIs. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello, everybody. Great to have this panel put together on such an important topic. So why don't we get right into the introductions? On the panel is Pete Tiliakos, analyst at Nelson Hall that covers HCM and payroll. Welcome back to the show, Pete. Thank you. Next on the panel is a longtime industry veteran who has helped companies implement thousands of payrolls around the globe and who recently joined CloudPay, Eric DeKaiser. Welcome, Eric. Thank you very much. Happy to be there. We're also joined by John Pierce, who oversees global payroll operations for CloudPay's entire customer base. John, good to see you. Sure. Great. And uh, last but certainly not least is Zoe Wright, who has either directly managed or overseen hundreds, if not thousands of payroll implementations around the globe. Glad to have you here, Zoe. Thank you. Let's get right into it. I know you're all anxious to start talking about this. Pete, my first question is to you. How are most companies measuring their payroll operations and payroll vendors around the globe today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say for the most part, um, you know, not a lot has changed, particularly in payroll um, with the way things are being measured in outsourced arrangements and engagements. Um, you know, the industry is still very is still leveraging very surface level metrics and SLAs focused mostly on timeliness and accuracy, which which we'll talk about today. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't always tell the full story. Uh, and the true performance is really probably below that somewhere. Right. The truth is 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 in the detail. Um, I think it's often why you hear, and I, and I think back to my days as, as, a, as a contract uh, manager, right, Go- managing governance, it's why I used to hear customers say, you know, I see green, but I feel red. And it's referring to their SLA performance, right? They're looking at it saying, you're telling me everything's fine, but below the surface, I'm still having problems in this place or that place. Um, and, and I think part of that is, um, you know, when, when we do all of our studies, we, we go out and we talk to a number of the buyers of, of uh, the vendors that participate, typically two to three of those. Um, and, and one area of angst that buyers, you know, commonly tell us, we've seen this in the last few years, is that despite the amount of innovation that's occurring in payroll, um, you know, they're still craving a, uh, and largely still not receiving um, that sort of best practice uh, process improvement driving, driving guidance um, that they're expecting when they tap into a, uh, a, 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 an optimized model in, in an outsourced environment. Um, and I think that could partly be attributable to the solution that they're adopting. Uh, but also, I think it's partly in the way that uh, metrics are viewed and looked at in, in this surface level manner 
Um, and, and certainly, you know, the timeliness and accuracy are table stakes, but what really drives the outcomes is, is hidden in the detail of what, what's happening below that. So let's go ahead and establish how payroll is measured today. Now, Eric, again, welcome to the show. Thank you. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so most of the measurements around payroll today are based around SLAs, and the most common SLAs are around accuracy and timeliness. Can you give us a little more definition around those so that we can establish a baseline? So most of the time, you'll see three items, uh, accuracy, timeliness, and completeness, right? So to make it more clear, the accuracy would be the percentage of the payrolls that are correct per cycle. Uh, the timeliness would be the percentage of payrolls processed and delivered on time. And the last one, completeness, would be the percentage of the payrolls delivered completely with all outputs, right, for that cycle. So that sounds like a pretty good way of measuring payroll, right? I think all of us can say that what we really care about as employees is, did I get paid on time? Did I get paid what I owe? I mean, some of us probably wouldn't mind getting paid more than what we owe, were owed. But <laughs> uh, why aren't those SLAs good enough? SLAs are really, really important, and, and they will always be underpinning the service that we're delivering. They just don't cover smaller size payrolls or don't cover every piece of the payroll process and they don't really give the buyer of our service the full insight into to whether or not they're getting value for the for the money they're paying for that service and if i could just ask a clarifying question on that why don't those slas cover all populations what's the reasoning there because you're using a percentage-based measurement um, let's say say timeliness, and if I'm measuring a hundred employees, did I get a hundred employees paid correctly on on time? If I've missed two, it's an easy calculation, ninety eight percent. If I've got a payroll of, of five people, and in global payroll there is a lot of long tail payroll out there, um, it's really hard to have an effective. SLA measurement that means anything because if I miss if I miss one person I'm down to 80%. That measurement makes it tricky. So for those long tail populations is it then fair to say that there may be no standard measurement in place at all? I think a lot of payroll vendors wouldn't allow an SLA in place for some of those long tail countries and I think they've got a valid argument to say why it just kind of makes a mockery of the of the rest of the SLA. Um, but also you've got SLAs appearing in contracts, and when they're appearing in contracts, you've got lawyers and commercial-headed people also wanting to have an approval, and it kind of starts to drag it away from what we're actually trying to do as service delivery, which, which is provide our customers with the very best outsourced payroll service we can. John, what I've seen uh, sometimes in the bigger contracts where they have a few big countries and a, and a big long tail that they combine the whole long tail in one and say, oh, this is another one country and let's consider that as a sort of a normal percentage for the whole group. Right? It could be a way of solving that. I've seen that. Yeah, we certainly have some contracts where we roll up a region or a number of countries to get you to a headcount where taking a percentage measurement can make sense and is realistic. Well, the roll-up method is quite interesting I guess it doesn't solve some of the bigger issues around SLAs. And I want to ask a follow-up question to something you said earlier, Zoe. We have customers come to the CloudPay platform from competitors 
We also have them coming to us from the local vendors, and a lot of them are coming into our solution with existing high SLAs, but they're quite unhappy with their previous vendor, so they're making a switch. So is it fair to say that even global organizations that have gone through this before are starting to get uh, disenchanted with the value of the SLA metric? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's touching on that point we've already raised. The SLAs aren't telling you about how that payroll is being processed. It's, it's just a statistic at the end of the day for a number, but how you achieve that number, which will touch on everything around how the process worked, how you feel your relationship is with your vendor, isn't captured in those numbers. Yeah. And, uh, and speaking of customers, Eric, I mean, even looking at our own customer base, I, I suspect SLAs aren't sufficient indicator of how happy they are either. Now, look, we have uh, high SLAs, right, across uh, all of our customers, but some customers really have a high satisfaction scores and, and some others that have bad data, bad process. It becomes like a negotiation with a customer about the most minor percentage differences. So it becomes more like a sort of a technical negotiation that nobody enjoys and doesn't really get to the heart of the issue, just like what Zoe was saying. So it's a bit similar to me, like the the uptime KPI discussion that you can have with service providers on your web, it's still up like for 99.99% of the time. And even that is not enough. I need nine, I need a hundred, you know, per definition. Right. You're talking, you're talking about like the uptime yeah. KPIs that are used by cloud service providers. For example, and then very often you're talking in discussions on 99.99 or and I want to have, we offer maybe 99.98 and it should be 99.99 or a hundred. They're very technical discussions. Right. And they don't get to the heart of kind of, are you a happy customer? Is your process optimized? Pete, I'm kind of curious what your take is on this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, um, at the end of the day, I think that um, buyers obviously want the best outcome. Um, it's just, I, I wonder if they know and understand what, what these really mean and how to dig into them and interpret what's underneath them and what's leading to them. And I think that's what's, that's what's really key. Um, you know, it's not enough to really just look at, you know, I, I think about the comment that John made a little earlier about, um, you know, the small populations, right? It's like, okay, 99% is one thing, but what about that 1%, right? Or what about what it took to get to that 99%, right? A lot of processes limp through that and pull it off it, despite a lot of manual work. But no one really understands that if all they see the result being, you know, the 99, right? And, and, and like I said, what about that 1%? That's a, that could be a huge number depending upon the client's uh, size and volume and can be very impactful. So, you know, it's, I think it's about trying to get below that and understand the pieces that are unique to your business and your, your payroll situation or circumstances to developing the KPIs and SLAs that make sense to drive the, the results that you're trying to get. Absolutely agree with that. And Eric, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier about uh, training references for joiners. I think that's a good story for if, you, if you'd like to share. I think that was an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, because I, I, I agree with percentage sometimes doesn't make any, doesn't give you a real feeling, right, of what we're talking about. Sometimes I use the in, in trainings for, for people for operations or implementation, I would ask them on their first day coming in saying, okay, you know what? We're doing payroll here. We have most of it automated and everything, but there's still some manual work. So what would be a realistic percentage of correctness, right? If we're doing the payroll. And then at first, most of them would say like a hundred percent. They say, yeah, but we still have some manual stuff, right? We're all 
we're all humans, made some mistake, maybe we need to correct them. And then you have a class that will be the end, half of them would say, oh, 95 is okay, or 90 even, and they have all different numbers. And the thing was, okay, I said, well, that's interesting. You know what, next month we're going to pay exactly the percentage you just gave me on your salary. Wow, and then suddenly everything is like 100%. So it's, uh, of course, it's 100%. Everybody knows that. That's basically the reference. The thing is how you get the, the effort. And uh, it, it should be, yeah, the, the most realistic way of, of getting that target done. Yeah, and I guess if you focus on some of these other KPIs we're going to be talking about, they should ultimately drive you to 100%. I think if you only focus on that 99.9, .9, you have no way of figuring out how to get to 100, right? We'll be right back to the rest of the panel discussion, but I wanted to take a moment to highlight the payroll efficiency index. A lot of our discussion today is based on some of the findings and some of the data available in that report. Now that data has been available to our customers for years, but with the publication of the report, we've made it available to everyone. So I really encourage you to visit payrollefficiencyindex.com and download your copy. You'll see the top five and the bottom five countries for each one of the five new KPIs that we're introducing. I think you're going to really like the data that you'll find. Now, let's get back to the show. I think um, we got some interesting perspectives and a lot of reasons for why SLAs just aren't sufficient as a metric for payroll delivery. I guess one more that I think about, and I'd like to get your perspective on this, Pete, is I think about this notion that these SLAs are weighed heavily in the favor of the vendor, right? And this is odd for me to say because we are, I am representing a vendor, but vendors have largely determined that this is how customers and how payroll delivery should be measured. I wonder if you feel that's fair. Is that a fair characterization? And also whether it's common, at least in the industries that you cover, that the primary metric for success is actually defined by the vendor and not the customer. It absolutely is. And I'd, I'd say it's, it's, it's sort of part of, of outsourcing, right? I mean, for the most part, vendors are, are really still coming to the table with their quote unquote standards um, at, at contracting, right? And, and, and normalizing that against whatever the industry best practice is. We recently actually asked each of our payroll vendors when we uh, interviewed them, the participants this year, to, to, to kind of tell us what are your basic metri uh, metrics that you go to, go to contracting with, right? And certainly it was all the same, same things, right? Timeliness, accuracy, compliance, uh, file management, that sort of thing, um, but all mostly around the 98, 99% range. Um, so yeah, I mean, vendors are, are very much dictating what success looks like in that regard. And I think, you know, in all fairness, part of that is just to keep, uh, keep to a model, right, and keep to a standard. Um, but I think what's happening, too, is, is that buyers are, are, are much more savvy, I think, now. Um, and I think that um, they are obviously pushing on that. We're hearing vendors tell us that they're getting a lot of pushback on uh, things like that, right? Where there's, there's more indemnity requests. There's more uh, liability um, uh, uh, assumption that vendors are being asked to take on. And certainly 99% has become, like I said, the standard. Um, but what I think uh, buyers can do is, is really position themselves, especially with many of them being second and third generation now, um, to work with their vendors and negotiate more impactful metrics that will be more specific to them and meet their needs. Because every payroll is the same in the sense of what you have to go through to get it done uh, and the steps it takes to, to get through it. But there are nuances and unique pieces to each of those, those buyers and each of those clients that make 
um, certain KPIs more Im- impressive or more important for them than maybe some others. Um, and I just think that there's an opportunity, to your point, to, to begin sort of questioning that and saying, okay, well, th- this is the standard you would normally use, and we understand we have to kind of fit into some of that, but where can we begin to move the needle to push us towards a deeper set of KPIs that'll give us the outcomes that we're looking for? I think that's really good advice, and I wonder how much that may be happening already. So Zoe and John, I know you get to speak to some of our prospects and elaborate on some of the KPIs they can expect once they become customers. Do you see them pushing for more bespoke KPIs for their specific payrolls? Um, I think just picking up on what Pete said, looking at, again, some of the payroll performance metrics, it is that real opportunity to make them meaningful to you as a customer. So knowing your landscape, your processes, potentially your challenges, getting those in so that you're servicing your payrolls going forward and achieving that strategy of what you're looking for within those measurable metrics would be a great step for a customer in new contracts. It's certainly a hot topic in every new contract we go through. It's one that you always expect to have a discussion on. Um, Certain customer types will quite often ask for much higher levels of indemnity or liability than than other customer types. Um, And I I, I don't think that's going to change. I think uh, GDPR and all of the other data privacy items that come and us in payroll, we handle a lot of personal private data. Um, So I think how you account and mitigate for that within a contract is always going to be something that leads to an interesting discussion when you when you first start to contract with it with a new customer. And if as a vendor, I have to measure myself, Eric, how do you think about that? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I like the the idea just uh, given on the uh, the negotiation because I've I've seen it a lot in the last let's be honest the last ten years the global payroll has developed a, as a, as being more mature and there's a lot more requests for SLAs or or more detailed uh, definitions of that at least uh, as a if I was a vendor at least I would I, w- I would measure myself but I always keep it attainable. Right, I'm not going to build them around what I. I'm going to build them around what I'm going to deliver instead of what I need to deliver. That would be my my first thing, right? So as a vendor, it's strange for me to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I see this in other industries. So I wonder if it's time for payroll practitioners to bring their own SLAs to the conversation. Just as I was saying, right? So let's call it BYOM, right? So bring your own metrics. That's why we launched the Payroll Efficiency Index. And I got to be honest, I was blown away initially by the reception. Um, And we'll get into the details of these metrics shortly. But first, I want to ask this. How did we even come up with these metrics that we are publishing? I've lived in a world where payroll success was only measured on SLA performance. And the discussion around... SLA performance, even if it was green and the customer was feeling red, which I really, I really like that expression. I'm stealing that. It just didn't lead to any sort of positive outcome. Both parties left feeling frustrated. Neither party had really understood each other's point of view or agreed a plan to try and make sure that they were both feeling green next time they met. And so we started to, to figure out how could we collect different bits of data as we're moving through the payroll process 
so that when we have that service discussion with a customer, where we wanted to go was to have a story that was less emotional, less anecdotal, um, and much more driven by by data that we've collected in real time during the process. Um, by doing that, we had to expose some of the issues as vendors we were causing, but also to capture some of the challenges that customers were giving us, and we'll get to them later, but, you know, data received well after the cutoff or data that just doesn't load or makes sense puts enormous pressure on the next piece of the puzzle. And, and, and to deliver a good global payroll when you're working with a vendor and a customer model, everybody needs to really perform well to make that successful. And, and if either party starts to, to perform badly, it puts strain on the other party. Um, so we wanted to go into that conversation and be able to say to a customer, hey, this is where we need you to do better. Um, and at the same time, that also led to us, this is where we as a vendor need to do better. Um, and, and just that, that almost a complete change in how that conversation went, the impact was almost overnight a completely different outcome. Quickly got into a much more collaborative discussion here's the pain points here's where we can improve we can measure this now and we can check it and we can look at the trends and see how we're jointly performing as a service delivery to your employees and i think that was how we started to come up with some of these data points and we've got many more that we collect um, but these were kind of some of the most interesting ones we decided to share this time around yeah maybe maybe you want to jump in there like I have, I fully agree what, uh, what JP is seeing here. It's like, I have a long history also, of course, several companies in, in payroll, global payroll. And, and the metrics you have to bring basically have to be uh, realistic. Uh, we just talk about the 99.9%, but not everything always has to be 100%, right? And there must be uh, a background to that. So even in SLAs, I think they need to be very smart. You know, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, even time specified. So you get more more background of what does it mean for this this SLA with those KPIs. Um, if, if you look at these new metrics that we are introducing, they basically apply to every payroll, right? Every payroll process. They are universal, applicable, but unfortunately, they are not universal available. I think we'll get back to that point a little bit later. Uh, I think that's a key thing why many maybe not showing uh, what they uh, all these KPIs and the, the the data behind it that we are capable of doing. So some of the vendors will only giving you the the SLAs because that's with certain KPIs because that's all they can provide with the actual technology they're having. I think that's the main the main reason why they're even so limited. The actual. I I like that line, Eric. Uh, universally applicable but not universally available i like that i'm gonna to have to steal that yeah. from you that is that is great <laughs> that is great do you think companies are thinking up front before they even select their vendors about how their metrics for success may evolve based on who they select now i know i'm oversimplifying this right but i'm imagining they're looking at a lot of their existing kpis with the existing vendor and thinking about how how those KPIs will change with the new vendor and how those processes might improve. But they might not even be looking to establish new KPIs at that point. Um, how do you think that 
plays out in both HR and payroll. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I mean, I, I think the um, I think the answer is that I, hopefully that they are doing that. Um, but I also think it has uh, some dependence on why the buyers motivate what, what their motivation is for or the circumstances for changing their solution out. Um, you know, a lot of them change because the solution fundamentally outgrew their needs or they believe it's going to at some point in the future. Um, but you do hear many talk about uh, vendor performance as the, as the driver for um, you know, not meeting their expectations as to why they, they looked into uh, a new solution. Um, but I think in both cases or in any case, e either way, uh, hopefully they're looking at their current state, thinking about their future state uh, and trying to understand what they need to uh, have their have the pulse on. Right. Keep, keep the pulse of uh, of those of those things that will get them to that to that place. Um, you know, certainly the, at the end of the day, when you're changing a payroll solution or any outsourcing solution, I think you're you're pulling that lever generally to create new outcomes, right? New, more predictable, uh, you know, uh, delivery models that are going to give you the outcome that you need and enhance that uh, your, your ultimate solution. Um, and certainly they, they're looking to the new vendor to enable that. Um, I think what they should be doing, too, is, is looking at the proposed solution in context with the KPIs that they hold most critical in their process and in their in their organization, um, and confirm that that's going to improve in the areas uh, where the areas of opportunities are, uh, and certainly at contracting or renewal, you know, look to adjust those in in in, in favor of their areas of, of focus for their for their uh, transformation initiatives. So, at what point, as a new customer or as an organization, do you start caring about these more advanced KPIs, these more efficiency-oriented KPIs? Um, so, so I wonder if one of you has an opinion on how that works. Yeah, I would say initially, customers are concerned, understandably, about paying their employees accurately and on time. Um, that's their kind of focus, particularly as they're moving to us, a new platform, learning our processes and tools. Once they start making that move and they've got that opportunity to lean back and look at the process, then they start to be able to focus on efficiency. So they may still be partway through their implementation, but they're able to look at how the efficiency gains are fitting with their strategy of moving to a global payroll provider. The challenge they may have is that they don't have data to compare to if that data isn't available from their current provider. Why, why is that, Zoe? Why isn't it something that they can compare to? Um, because most uh, global payroll platforms are aggregators, they don't actually have this data, um, a unified database that's capturing all of this. Um, and it's not at that deep level going through the step by step of the process. So it's just not easily available for customers. Oh, I see. That makes sense. The aggregator model doesn't collect a lot of those KPIs, especially the in-flight analytics. And uh, Eric, I'd like to get your thoughts on this as well. How can companies think about these KPIs before they even get implemented? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, Dave. I, I think companies need to think clearly on, on these KPIs, if they are valuable to them to start off with, and, and, and if so, what is it that they are receiving today, and what would be the best place to go to, right? What is it the to-be scenario? So what are the KPIs they want to have? And the best thing to do that is to involve different groups, right, that are really working with that data and, and need the right insight. So like local and regional payroll managers and also the accumulated KPIs for leadership teams, for example. Um, so, so many suppliers, what is what I've seen in the, in the different companies uh, I work with and worked for, uh, many suppliers have service teams or even account managers. They fill in Excel sheets manually uh, in the actual state of affairs and company 
uh, should deliver this basically automatically, and that's not happening. So in the background, they're creating a file every month, which is very manual, and they make a sort of a, yeah, a personal evaluation of whether things should be in the report, and they provide it to you. So I, I think where it should be is that, um, so I, I think in, in the start of a uh, vendor selection process, uh, for example, uh, you should establish these KPIs and, and why the, the client experience is already there, right? They had, had a lot of KPIs, they had a lot of experiences and, and they know how they will be delivered and it might be good to ask for them uh, if they start with, with us. So if I would be a client, I would ask a vendor or a provider at least some proof of the pudding, right, before you start eating. So are they, are, are they real, uh, the numbers you're getting from a vendor? Uh, let them demonstrate it, right? Give, give them an insight into their, uh, their application and so you know what they're capable of doing. I think that's a key thing for a client. That will do it very early. Now, do you think a lot of vendors can do, you know, actually maybe that's a leading question, but um, I think, I wonder how much during our own sales process, but also in our discussions with uh, new prospects, they actually ask us to prove things to them, hmm. right? I'm sure they go through the demo with us, but do they actually ask, hey, can you demonstrate what these KPIs look like for the rest of your customer base? And what we expect to achieve in year one, in year two, in year three, and what does that continuous improvement look like? I suspect even our existing prospects and customers don't often ask those questions. No, and I, I think they don't. And I, I also think that they are, I think we mentioned before, they're a bit stuck to the, uh, the standard setup of a contract and the SLAs and everything that we've put in, been putting in place in the markets over the many, many years we've been uh, in this market. So that's, that's one of the things. The other, uh, it's not easy to show. And I think many of the players in the market have difficulty showing it. So I, I do think... It's not only about what you measure, it's even, I think, about how often you measure it or how visual everything is for a client, how much insight they can get on a day-to-day -day basis, on a minute-to-minute -minute basis, I would say, with CloudPay, but in the rest of the world, I wouldn't know. Um, again, I'm going to call out one of those uh, nuggets that I'm going to be stealing. Uh, it's, it's not about just what you measure, it's about how often you measure. Um, Eric, uh, thank you. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So thanks for listening to part one of this discussion. We hope you stick around for part two, in which we cover the five new KPIs that are introduced in the Payroll Efficiency Index and talk about how you can start using them in your organization.